Okay, I was gone for a minute, but I'm back now. For CanisHoopas.com, it's the JM to DM show with John Meyer and Dane Moore. All right, all right, and we're back. It's episode 10. I, this is pretty cool, you guys. We're, this is like, we're at the 10th episode. We made it this far. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it feels good. 10's a big number. <laughs> it is. We, we hope we get to 20 faster than we got to 10. We haven't done an episode for 20 days now, but, you know, we were in the dog days of August, and there's just not a lot of news coming along, and, you know, things have been kind of hectic for me, and so, but we're happy to be back tonight. We're going to talk about a lot of different uh, new stuff that's been going on with the Timberwolves, a lot of different news, um, including Shabazz Muhammad. He's back. Um, Dante Cunningham, he's not back. Uh, Chris Wright is the president, or he was the president of the Timberwolves. Now he's gone. So we got new uniforms. There's a lot of different things to talk about. So I guess let's start with, Dane, I want to get your feelings on Shabazz Muhammad re-upping with the Timberwolves for a year on the veteran minimum. I think it's just been a crazy story for Shabazz. The The summer started out and he got offered his uh, or tendered his uh, option on his contract, which is worth $7.6 million. Um, and that, you know, makes him a restricted free agent. And that was kind of floating around there for a few weeks. Uh, neither, and Shabazz didn't, didn't grab onto it and he wanted to test the market. think he can get something longer term, which, you know, to be honest, I kind of thought he would be able to get certainly more years than one on a deal as a still a young man. Uh, but then as the time came to sign Jeff Teague and Taj Gibson, the wolves uh, rescinded that offer and Brandon rushes and all of our other unsigned free agents to clear $33 million in cap space. And, Boz looked like he was on his way out and circle back here now a month later. And we have Shabazz for the small price of the veterans minimum, which is about a million and a half for him. And uh, still a young player. He he's like a minimal player. He he has flaws, but he does. He has a couple distinguishable skills. So I'm you know, I'm I'm very on board with this deal and how it all played out. Do you think this is a reality check for Shabazz? It's got to be. He fired his agents. <laughs> reality check for uh, his his perception, his agent's perception of where he's at. It's just, this was a different summer than uh, the summer before. We the, the market was more real, you know? And he he has to kind of realize that this is, this is the year that he can, you know, prove that he's more of a well-rounded player, a player that fits in a team concept. And then, and then the wolves have his bird rights, which is, which is big. So they can exceed the salary cap is what that, what that means to bring him back the following year and offer him something bigger, but it's going to be dependent upon the, uh, the way in which he performs. Uh, what, what kind of expectations are you having for Shabazz or, or role or. Well, uh, first of all, that he's got the trade kicker too. What what do you think about that? It's fifteen percent trade kicker, I believe. Yeah, that's kind of you can tack on a couple extra little things that make a deal look a a, a little more appealing than the minimum. Um, right. You know, so he's <laughs> all the wolves had to offer was the minimum, so they're kind of willing to to give whatever to because surpasses is more than a minimum level player. So they were 
they kind of put put forth all their cards on the table as to what they could offer for Muhammad. And now to to trade him, Boz would get a little kickback if that happens during the year. But yep. um, I would think extenuating circumstances would need to happen for Boz to be on his way out. Yeah, I think from Boz's perspective, this has got to be a disappointment because just to use one player as an example, just to see a guy like Solomon Hill get like four years, 44 million or so last year in New Orleans. And then, you know, that's just one example. A lot of guys got paid last summer when teams were spending money like crazy. But from his perspective, it's got to be a little bit disappointing, obviously, to not get a long-term contract, especially when the rumors were out there that there was a much bigger offer on the table, like 10 million annually. And, before the season just to get them locked up. So it's obviously got to be a a huge disappointment. Now on the flip side for the Timberwolves, and I think the way a lot of fans should probably feel is that this is a big time acquisition late in the summer, late in the off season, just to get a guy like Shabazz that he's still young. He's still, I think there's still some upside in his game. Uh, If he can become a consistent three point shooter, that's the biggest thing for me uh, because like January, he was like 57%. And so he just has these huge spikes throughout his whole career. He's never been able to consistently shoot the three ball. And so for me, that's the what I'm watching is if he can do that, his value will get way better. He'll he'll build that value back up. But for the for the Timberwolves and for fans, I think they gotta really like this move because it just adds another backup wing to the bench. And I think I've seen people echo this sentiment, and I I guess as much as I was ready to watch Shabazz kind of just go to a new team and, and leave the Timberwolves, I thought it was best for both sides. But I just think that Shabazz is like a guilty pleasure in, uh, in so many respects. He's just, when he succeeds and when he's on, and, and Sharky, I'd love to just get your kind of thoughts on Shabazz. It's just, it's just really fun. Well, yeah, I mean, we had kind of, I, I kind of brought that up earlier this this year in the offseason that uh, I, I like Shabazz. I like, you know, the, the effort he puts in. You know, maybe he doesn't pass the ball nearly as much as he should, but uh, it's it's fun to watch him play. And so I am glad that he, he came back. I was going to ask you guys, I'm wondering what, I mean, in the positions two through four, I mean, he's got someone ahead of him, um, I, I think. Um, and I'm wondering what that is going to do to his role. I mean, this is, he's got a one-year deal. It's kind of a prove-it deal, and he might struggle to find minutes. Yeah, it's weird how we talk about how little um, wing depth the Wolves had or have, and then to bring on Shabazz is nice. It's kind of a second bench wing alongside Crawford, but at, at the same time, it's it is it's depth. It's not a it's not a guarantee of minutes or anything along those lines. You remember. Uh, last year, the wing minutes were staggered a lot in in a way that I I think that will happen again. That'll happen again this year. So I don't think Shabazz has like a guaranteed 17 minutes a game. It, it's going to depend. Crawford's going to be the wing that they try and uh, give the most minutes to, is my assumption. And then it's going to be when the, when it's good boss, good boss is going to play, and it's bad boss, bad boss is going to sit. It's um it's going to be game to game like that. Is is kind of my assumption. Yeah, and, and it's matchup driven too. Obviously, and I'd, I'd like to see. I think some interesting lineups, just small ball wise, with you could have Wiggins at the two, but Butler at the three, and then Shabazz at that four. I think that, I mean, that could give some teams some really like big nightmares uh, in some different situations. Another thing is, 
I know this is so down the road, but Shabazz Mohammed absolutely cooks against the Golden State Warriors. Go look at his games that he's had against the Warriors. Um, I think the style of play, that pace and space that we see against Golden State, he kind of thrives in that matchup. So looking forward, uh, and it's way forward, and it's way premature to think it like this, but in a playoff series, maybe he could unleash some of this just good boss. But I think at the end of the day, it's a veteran's, it's a vet, it's the veterans minimum, you know. Right. What what are, you, what are your expectations? That's I've seen people on Twitter. They're like, eh, I don't like him, and I and I'm not even, gonna, I'm not going to say Shabazz is a good player. I think he's proven over plenty of minutes that he's very inconsistent, and you know, defensively, he's 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 not good. <laughs> I, wanna, I don't want to like abuse him. Type player, right? Yeah. Like you want yeah. That's you're getting at the minimum you want a shooter like a player who has one discernible skill and yeah and that can be showcased from time to time and that that's going to happen like there's going to be times when uh boss is going to have games that they they need his type of his energy uh the the way in which he plays rebounding that 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 will um and that's all you're asking for is a, is a little bit of a contribution from a minimum level player and i'm yep almost certain he'll exceed that so we'll see how many minutes he gets. You look at his sophomore season, he played 866 minutes. He was a good player. He was an effective player. You looked at last year, he played 1,516 minutes. Um, he was he was okay. He was I would say he was a little bit below replacement level at .086 win WS per 48. Um, but his defense, it, it's always going to come back to that. But And I think if we just look at the at the bench unit altogether. That's that's my biggest question mark. You've got Tyus Jones, you got Jamal Crawford, you got Shabazz Muhammad, and then you got Belly, who I think is the best defensive guy there. But then, you know, is it with Taj? Is it with Gorgie or Gorgie? Obviously they're not gonna play five bench guys. They're gonna stagger it. So how do we get a five man lineup with some of these bench guys that can also defend? That's what I, I need to see. Yeah. And I think that's gonna come back to the staggering thing. Um I think one way or the other, whether it's uh, Butler or Wiggins or Towns, we're going to see an early sub out that you know comes back in and kind of leads the the second unit. I'm not sure which who will be the best one to do that. We saw that with Levine uh, periodically at the middle of the season, and he was kind of featured with the with Jang in a in that second unit more ball dominant role. And and then that also happened with Towns, where he started the second quarter last year. Um, there's a, there's a lot of rotational mishmashing that can be done and, and the Wolves will have to do that because the bench is bad. And, um, but with, with a really great player, like a, like a Butler or Towns that can, that can pull, pull together some players who have flaws into a respectable unit. So I'm, I, I got belief that that boss can contribute to, uh, that second unit. So long as it's with another very good player. No question. And we can dive into this later in the podcast. Maybe we'll finish the show with it, but I actually, saw Tibbs at a bar downtown uh, this past Saturday. And I, I went over, I introduced myself. I, you know, he probably meets a lot of people, but one of the things that one of my takeaways was he was absolutely ecstatic that Shabazz Muhammad is back in the, in the fold. He, he asked me what I thought about that. And I said, I liked it. And he was like, you know, he was like, yeah, hell yeah. Basically like <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> and so I, I know Tibbs, he was really happy about getting Shabazz back in the fold. So he's the coach. He's the Pobo. He seemed thrilled about it. So uh, that makes me feel good about it too. Yeah. It work, works for me. 
Um, I think he has a really rational opinion of Shabazz, and that's just kind of what I you know gathered from the press conferences last year. Is he would always say we like Shabazz, and I think he meant that. I mean, I don't think they love Shabazz, and they, I don't think they necessarily see this marketable upside for him, but they like what Shabazz can give. And I think that's Tibbs actually being honest and they yeah. likes what, what's going to be there. No, I didn't, I, I didn't think he was lying to me. <laughs> I mean, he had a, a smile on his face, but let's, uh, let's move on from Shabazz Muhammad quick today. The news just broke later this afternoon, a guy that the Timberwolves were in on and it seemed like it came down to the wire. Dante Cunningham. We almost got the reunion. He used to play back here during the Adelman days um, he signed with the Pelicans over the Wolves. $2.3 million. He gets it's that it's 200k above his minimum, meaning um, the Pelicans will not get salary cap reimbursement from the NBA. But ultimately, that was a guy that a lot of people were interested in because he can play that three, he can play that four. All of a sudden, if you go look at his stats, he's become a three point shooter, a pretty capable three point shooter. He's a hustle guy. Um, and I think he fits in the new age NBA. So I know a lot of people were excited about Dante Cunningham potentially um, being an addition in Minnesota. Now, I will say, I think it's a little bit overhyped, overblown what Cunningham could have brought to the team. At the end of the day, you can't have both sides. You can't have the people that say, oh, Tibbs doesn't really use his bench. He goes with these short rotations. And then the people are like, oh, they're devastated that Cunningham's not in the, in the fold. Like, what was his role going to be realistically? You know, if you accept that Tibbs really likes Belly and he wants to give him those 18 minutes, then, and then he also wants to play Boz. Like, I don't, I don't know what Cunningham's role is, even though he might be better than both of them. So, right. I'm not down on it. It would have been great, but I'm not like super down on that. Well, I like the, I like the idea of a Dante Cunningham type player um, with the Timberwolves because you look at the other bigs on, the roster and we're in 2017 and we have big bigs big and slow-footed bigs that you know can't necessarily get out on the perimeter and attack another player and huge physically would would be the type of player that could more attack a pick and roll that could switch a little bit better than than jang or a cole aldridge or some of the other bench bigs would be able to to do. And so I, I thought that would be the most interest. The thing I was most interested about in Dante Cunningham is you were talking about earlier roles, John, or um, specific, you know, specific lineups in which they would play. I think there would, there would have been a spot in which having Cunningham uh, as a defender would have been an asset in that way, that that might kind of be void um, in, in the defense right now as the roster currently sits. So maybe that's kind of a type of player I don't think the Timberwolves need another big man. That that kind of big man is not necessarily in the fold right now. Yeah, I just didn't see... I, I like that idea, too, and I was kind of excited about the prospect of it, but I just didn't understand where he was going to fit in. And we've got, you know, th- three power forwards, and maybe we could have slid him into a three position, but I just... It would have been nice, and I agree with you, Dane, that it you know he, he definitely does something that, that the rest of our bigs don't. But um, in the end, I just didn't really see where he would fit who uh it's been 20 days who else has worked out for us it's been it's been a while yeah that's a great question let's let, we got a list here we got we got nate robinson kirk heinrich a couple of tibbs guys right they point mm-hmm. guards in chicago isaiah, yeah isaiah cannon dane i know you wrote about him trey burke the guy that flip saunders traded for gorgie jang and shabazz muhammad wonderful trade right well, the ninth overall pick. Man, they still could have picked CJ McCollum, though. Uh, yeah. 
Thomas Robinson's been in town. Alan Anderson, the local guy. Anthony Morrow, he signed with Portland, I believe. He's a three-point shooting specialist. Uh, Perry Jones, I'm not sure if his knees like exist. Um, does he have knees that work? Uh, I don't know. I loved Perry Jones back in the day. Like I had my NBA 2K teams with Perry Jones. Like I thought that guy was going to be a baller. But... <laughs> And then we got the Bogut, Andrew Bogut news last night that like allegedly like David Aldridge and, you know, Doogie and AP sports guy, like they're saying that the Wolves were actually in on Andrew Bogut, which makes like absolutely no sense with, we have way too many centers already. We got Cole Aldridge, we got Justin Patton, who maybe he's not going to be ready for the first month. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Gorgi Jang, like, absolutely. I, I, if that's real, um, that they were in on Bogut, that makes no sense. And, and I get it. It appears that Tibbs is zigging as the rest of the league zags. He wants to go big. He wants to play bully ball. They'll probably play with a slow pace. Um, still doesn't make any sense that you'd call Andrew Bogut, not in my opinion, at least, but I, I guess, to try and apply some logic to that. You know, I'm trying to think I was as shocked as anyone to see that name thrown out there when the wolves have like five guys who could profile as a center currently under contract. But so, so what does this mean? And that there's still some, well, there are a lot of centers. There's still some trepidations. I think Tibbs and the coaching staff might have about the type of centers that, that they have. I, I wonder if this isn't an indictment on the type of, on Cole Aldrich or the, the role in which he's going to play. Do you mean like rim protection wise? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. Or just that, that he even views Cole as good enough to even be getting the 500 minutes he got last year, you know, is the doghouse. Yeah. Right. I guess that, and that, yeah, that's, that, that's kind of the assertion I'm, I'm making there. And then, Do you and know then why? bad. <laughs> he's bad. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, no. the guys love him. He's a really likable guy. I think he's right. you know beloved like across the team. But uh, I just I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful question. Sure. Yeah, and we'll have to right. explore that more. And uh, being unfair, Cole is is clearly very affable, and everyone does like him. I just think that's what his role is going to be this year. He's going to be more staple to the end of the bench, and he's going to be. Um, I mean, the team's going to be better. He's going to be on a better team this year, and the team won thirty one games last year, and he hardly played. So. Why would the expectation be that he's going to you know, play more? So I guess taking that, I think there's a bit of an indictment on Aldrich. And then also maybe it's an indication that he really does see Jang and Gibson more as power forwards and just, just playing, playing that role more. And, and that in that sense, then the center position is a little more thin. You know, maybe there is room for a, a backup center. If Patton's not ready, Aldrich isn't good. Gibson and Jang are power forwards. I know maybe I'm reading into this a little bit, but I just, I, don't, I just don't, I, see. I don't see that at all, though. I I think Gibson and Jang are both centers, especially I, in, the, I, in the new age NBA. Like I, I understand what you're what you're going for, Dan. Like I understand I, like you're just the flip side of it. But like I think we both agree that like this this is a roster full of new age centers. Like yeah, dude, I, I'm I'm totally with you. I, I think they profile better as that, and and from what I've heard, that's that's kind of the expectation is that even Gibson is just like a backup five, right? And, um, yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. It, it it was it was odd, and I think it pretty much anyone who who tweets about the Wolves was like what yeah, yeah. when when they saw that news. No so it was it was interesting. So let's clarify. Um, just the camp invites. We got Marcus Georges Hunt, who Tibbs 
actually thinks is a legitimate chance of making the team. We got Mello Trimble, the Maryland point guard. Um, really nice freshman. Didn't really get better his sophomore and junior year. I think he's a little bit small. I don't know if he's athletically. I don't know if he can make it in the NBA, but he's he's going to get an invite. We got Emil Jefferson. He's the Duke player. He's like a power forward guy. Didn't impress me whatsoever at Summer League. Dane, you and I were there. Um, they're all non-guaranteed contracts. They're They're likely just camp bodies, but I think... Marcus George's hunt has like the most realistic chance to make this team. And I think that the way I'm reading it right now is there's a, a pretty decent chance he's going to make the team. Well, I think it's more and more of these guys that are getting worked out and are not signing or are signing elsewhere. There seems to be more indications that uh, that is the case. And I think also a lot of the guys being worked out are kind of veterans or, um, and the ones that aren't veterans are more point guards. Uh, and George's Hunt can more play on the wing. And so that's a, a more athletic wing um, that, that I guess there's a need for on the team. So, yeah, I, I, w- I would be with you that that's the most likely player to make the team. I guess mm-hmm. the positive of Emil Jefferson is he does kind of more fit that Cunningham-type power forward role we were talking about. But I'm with you. I was unimpressed, just don't really think he – profiles as a a pro um and then trimble yeah you know haven't we haven't seen anything of him he'll be he'll definitely get some minutes in uh the preseason but he's got a great name great name i mean if we're just picking guys based off their name (laughs) um uh, let's let's talk quickly just real quickly about the depth chart i mean my first takeaway and i think anybody that's really paying attention or looked at this team is just the the wing depth is probably the most concerning aspect and just kind of the the imbalance you know dane you wrote a, a nice piece today at canis hoopas uh, just and you talked a lot about the depth chart and um you put together maybe your ideal um kind of fantasy lineup or fantasy off season so to speak what, what what do you think about the depth chart is there any takeaways immediately i think just and we kind of talked on the hit on this a little bit earlier with shabazz is that while wing is thin um, it just, it wasn't a, there wasn't a ton of minutes used at the wing um, last year for the bench. Again, there's the, the, the staggering there. So I think they'll be able to make it work with Crawford and Shabazz if those are the two. Um, the downside is, is I would really like one of those guys to be more of a spot up shooter. That's my, my trepidation. But, you know, I, I do think that there's going to be uh, a gravity towards Teague and Butler and Wiggins as they drive and, Theoretically, that leads to some some open looks to Crawford and Muhammad, who, in theory, can knock down, you know, some shots. I I think they're just going to need to let them fly when they when they catch them and they're open, and and we'll, we'll see how the percentage shakes out there. Um, I I don't know, so I, I think that's going to work. I really think the Tyus Jones as the backup point guard, I'm interested by at this point. Um, all indications are that's that's his role, which is a big role um, on the team. I love it. I, I'm kind of with you too, and it'll be interesting to see him get a lot of minutes. Yeah, it's 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 something I'm looking forward to. I think that he Tyus Stones, Stones Jones. I think he's ready. I think he's ready for that role. Absolutely. I, I'm always just impressed by him, and we can get into that a little bit more later. Remind yeah, us. I mean, uh, clearly, clearly, he impressed the coaching staff last year. I mean, cause he was number three on the team and right. And then they shipped Chris Dunn out of here. They must have faith in him to do something. 
there's no doubt. And uh, remind me, let's get back into that later. Um, training <laughs> camp, you guys. It starts actually, I believe, Saturday in San- sunny San Diego. Uh, media day is on Friday. Uh, that should be fun. Dane will be there with me, and uh, Tony Porter should also be there too. We're going to try to attack it from all different angles. Um, Sweet. It, it's going to be fun, and we you can you know a media day for those that don't know. You just it's basically. You know, you go, you pick up all your uh, credentials for the upcoming season, and then you get the opportunity to uh, interview uh, Tibbs. It's, it always starts with the coach, the head coach, Tibbs. Um, and he's the pobo, too. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Scott Layden will probably join him, but he'll answer questions for, you know, seven to ten minutes, most likely. And then they just go down the players, uh, one through 15 or one through 14, whatever it ends up being, whatever the Timberwolves roster stands uh, by this Friday. Um, and you just get an opportunity to ask the media just gets to ask those players any questions they want. So it's, it's a fun event. It's always um, interesting to see what comes out of that and definitely, you know, stay tuned, check out our content and hopefully yeah, I think we can... we'll be firing out a lot of stuff on Friday. Yeah. Like we'll be, we'll be, you know, tweeting quotes um, from that. And then, by the afternoon, we'll kind of give you guys a full a recap of, you know, what we gathered. And I, I do think we'll learn a lot more um, just from having those players talk and having Tibbs and the other coaches no talk a little bit more about what the what this the depth chart or rotations or whatever that we'll have a, a little bit better of an idea. Um, I, I think we'll know a lot more about the team come Friday afternoon. Yep, you always get some good quotes, too. I remember last year, maybe the best one was Jordan Hill said, I didn't come to Minnesota to do snow angels, um, which is funny <laughs> because, I mean, if he did snow angels, he was he probably did more in the snow than he did on the court last year. <laughs> um, so I, we'll get some juicy little quotes, I think, and it's just a fun event. John, are there any uh, local reporters who uh, kind of dominate this thing and asking all the questions, taking up everybody's time? Of course, you know who they are. You know who they are. I have a couple of guesses, yeah. Well, AP Sports guy, he always asks the first question, maybe the second question too. Really? He, he, he kind of he's like the he's like a lead-off hitter in the media. Right. Yeah, he's always the first guy to ask every question. I mean, the best questions, you know, in my opinion, always I Britt Robson, I yeah. Robson. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. He's just he has tremendous questions obviously and it's not to say that anybody else doesn't ever I think everybody has like Jace has, you know, Jace joined the program. He's He's uh, really honing his skills, and I, I respect his work. He asks good questions, and uh, Jerry Zagoda asks some good questions, and Kent Youngblood does, and um, Darren Wolfson does, and a lot of the bloggers do. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just it's just whoever wants to step up, you know? who It's, mm-hmm. it's not always easy to ask the hard questions, but yeah. um, I think it's just a, you know, obviously we all know the, the big hitters, but... <laughs> Brit's the best. Brit's, Brit's the, best. the best. If I'm, be, if we're, if I'm being honest, he's the best. If well, we're they're talking just, they're just more, they're bigger questions. You know, they're um, they're just interesting. I mean, talk questions. to Brit. They're just interesting. Yeah, just the way he frames it, it's just like wow. Like, wow, he's very smart. He's so articulate, and you know, I obviously enjoy sitting by him at games, so I can just talk into his ear. Well, now I think he has to come on our show because we just kissed her ass, his ass for <laughs> and he would and he would fucking hate that too. He would absolutely. Hate I'm sure it. he would. Yeah, he would just be like, "Yeah, why did you do that?" Um, I know credit. You know, you know, credit goes to him. Maybe one day when I'm 70 years old, I can be 50 percent of that. But um, 
another story that I saw yesterday is Chris Wright, former president of the Timberwolves. He he's uh he's leaving to become the CEO of the Minnesota United. That's kind of interesting news. He's been with the team at like twenty five years, wow. and um, now he's leaving. I, I think he's always loved soccer. He's from England, I believe, and um, soccer is like his favorite sport. So it's it's pretty cool, like locally, for him to shift over to that CEO spot. And I know the Timberwolves will miss him deeply. I think they, you know, everyone at Target Center respects just all the work he's put into the organization. So, but that's another little new uh, news story, especially because it's been it's so quiet. But then it all ramps up so quickly. Yeah. So. Um, well, John, you uh, you had a big week. You uh, you flew out to L.A. I did. I went to L.A. The Timberwolves were were very generous and kind enough to ask me to go to uh, the Nike event, the NBA and the Nike uh, event. Out at Sony Studios, they released all the 30 statement uniforms. It's the third uniform sets for all the NBA teams, and they had a player out representing each team. J.J. Barea was there for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was so tempted to be like, oh, hey, J.J., like... Every Timberwolves fan really was pissed off by you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, um, no, but it you know it was, it was a really cool event. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect, honestly, because they asked me just to go out there and cover the event and get some quotes from Carl. And so, how did that work? I mean, did they when did they reach out to you, and and how much time between that and you take off? Oh, geez, it was like the. Maybe Monday, like before that Friday. Oh, no, not, a lot time, wow. not a lot of time, but um, I guess that's the way those things work. But yeah, it was just—it was a great opportunity. I really thank them for giving me the opportunity um, to do that and to, to you know, all expenses paid. And I mean, obviously, that's yeah. a very nice of them. And I'm I'm happy that I, I'm not good at talking about this kind of stuff, but it's like it's very nice of them to think of me in that light. Obviously, but um. Well, you do a good job of covering that stuff, John. I mean, I feel like you are um, one of the. We talk about Brit and the skill sets he has, and I think, I think you're good at uh, you're good at uh, associating what the these the the current the buzz of like the fan base is. And like you said, it's a dead time of the year, and like these these jerseys are something exciting right now. And while you can talk about real basketball too, it's also fun. Like. I mean, you're a young guy. It's you. You understand uh, that Nike's cooler than Adidas, and have a you know have a, a good pulse of that. What uh, I don't know if the jerseys were cool, but like, what did what did you think about them? Yeah, I mean, I I really like the jerseys. I think they pop, and I I think it's like when I was there. I mean, all these jerseys. I mean, the Timberwolves jersey it stands out so much yeah. among all of them. And I know a lot of people were making fun of him. I mean, Eric Bledsoe is sitting right next to Cat while I'm interviewing him. Like, dude, that jersey is ugly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, and Cat's just like not trying to, you know, ruffle any feathers or say anything. But I'm just like, I mean, I think they personally look good. I would rather take a risk and take a bold chance on a vibrant looking uniform like that. Like, I think the Timberwolves don't have this iconic history like the Boston Celtics or the Lakers, like take a chance, you know? And, and at the, at the end of the day, they're wearing these uniforms six times out of 82 games. Yeah. Um, let me see if I got the schedule up. It's like, it's not like we're going to have to, like, if you hate the uniforms, 
Like you're not going to have to look at them that much. But I personally like them. I think they're going to pop like on TV and in person. So I thought I thought uh, the deal was teams could just basically pick whoever the home team was could pick their jersey, and then the other team would have to balance that. Is that not the case? No, that is the case. But uh, I don't know if it's different for statement uniforms at all. It okay, must. Gotcha. It, 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 I mean it. Potentially it is because the Timberwolves did release the six games that they're wearing the statement uniform. Okay, gotcha. So I would assume that these are just a little bit different. December 16th against the Suns, January 6th against the Pelicans, um, Raptors on January 20th, Nets on January 27th, Pelicans on February 3rd, and then the Bulls on February 24th. So that December, January, February range, yeah, like, you know, it, whatever. Let's go six and zero in them, and just be like whatever. <laughs> Eric Bledsoe, you hate him. You're on the Suns. <laughs> I I think like a, an interesting aspect to it, like while I think they're really ugly, um, is that you, you got to think about the way in which the Timberwolves are like marketing to them. I I think about it as like a flashier pair of shoes that a younger kid, young kid, would buy to to wear in basketball. Like those are the people who are who are buying KDs are Absolutely. our kids. And those, and those are the people who are going to be buying the jerseys are, are those like, all right, you know what? 40 year old guy, like you probably shouldn't be wearing jerseys as is. So don't, you know, <laughs> don't wear, don't wear the lime green uh, wolves Jersey. But I, I get it. I get it from that, that standpoint, it, it pops. It's, um, it's a rebrand. They want to, they want to get the merchandise out there and just win there because it's very different. Yeah. Just yeah, win. No, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not freaking out about it. I'm not going to buy one. But um, if we yeah, kick the Pelicans' ass in those jerseys, <laughs> people will like them. The Pelicans might like have them? the only uglier jerseys in the league when they wear those. <laughs> but <laughs> do we know what the? Imagine. Do we know what the fourth jerseys are going to be? Has that? I don't. I haven't heard anything. Dude, I've been like prying away, trying what? to get the, them to send. Like, they they like, won't show them to me. I'm like, come on, just just show me. Just give me a little peek. But another thing will just be all white, just nothing to them. It'll be oh, like God. the inverse. <laughs> no, I bet I bet they'll be they'll probably be gray. But Nike um, event was, and I didn't even know this was going to happen. But after they like the players were all standing up there and they released the jerseys and they walked off, like Travis Scott comes out and just starts a concert, like six songs. And I'm a, I really like Travis Scott. I'm really big on hip hop and R and B. And I, it was just so cool just to stand there like 10 feet away watching Travis Scott. Like I just felt like really blessed to have that opportunity. So um, like Kevin Durant standing like two feet away from me. I mean, it was just really like surreal moment to be in. So I, I just thank the Timberwolves for giving me that chance. Cool. Sweet. That's sweet. Um, so the last thing you guys is, and I, I, I kind of teased this at the start, is that this Saturday, I was at the bar. I'm not going to say what bar it is because if Tibbs likes that bar, you know, maybe I have to go back. I'm not going to tell the whole, I'm not going to tell everybody. It was here. It wasn't in LA. It was in Minneapolis. Uh, so I'm sitting there. I'm eating, I'm eating Buffalo wings with a couple friends. Uh, and he walks in and I'm just like, oh, geez. And I'm actually wearing a Timberwolves, uh, my Timberwolves, like vintage baseball jersey. <laughs> So, and I was like, oh, what's up, Tibbs? And he's like, hey, man, what's up? You know, it was a very raspy voice. And then I was like, okay, nothing. He just walked down, sat at a table. He was with his assistant. Um, and then I just sat there for like 20 minutes. I'm like, I got to just go like say hi, just introduce myself. And 
because I'm sure he, like he recognizes me from sitting like in the media. I don't actually think he did. I don't know. He probably meets so many people. I always think about that. They meet so many people that can they recognize you, you know? But anyways, like I just finally got the courage up to do it. And I just went and introduced myself and just said, hi, you know, I cover the team for can of so I'm at a, a ton of the games and I just wanted to introduce myself. And he just ended up, he was just such a nice, a nice guy. He was so personable. And he was asking me questions about, my life like what what do i like to do where did i go to school what did i major in you know where do i live and i was just like so interested like i well i was just like actually taken back by that whole thing because you know like tibbs's persona right yeah and i was just i was very surprised to kind of just see like how nice he was off the court and um it was it was nice i i think he he really likes um he really likes Tyus Jones. Like I was telling him, like, I really believe in Tyus Jones. And he was, he was like, I, he does too. And he thinks Georgia's hunt has a legitimate shot. Um, yeah, I saw you tweet that out and I was, and I was kind of wondering like, where, where's this guy getting his Intel? And turns out you were eating <laughs> Buffalo wings with tips. I wasn't eating <laughs> Buffalo wings with him, but I had Buffalo wings at my table, but yes, he right. was actually having Buffalo wings at his table. as Well, <laughs> um, but he was just, I, I just was, I thought he was just really, really nice person and um i just it was cool like he told me belly is not 100 percent um which scares me a little bit he said he's progressing there and he's he'll get there but right at this current moment he's not 100 percent. he had that surgery i don't remember exactly what it was called it's kind of a weird uh foot surgery i don't i don't have the it off the top of my head but so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep an eye on belly uh, I think he's an important player. Um, I want to say when he played like 18 to 20 minutes last year, the Timberwolves were a pretty good team, like 18 and 13 or something. So Belly, he's, in a, he's a guy that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, you know, he said Jimmy and Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, they've kind of been in and out, in and out of town. Jimmy more than Andrew. Andrew's been here a lot more, but um you know, Butler comes into town, he works out, and then he'll take off somewhere else, back to L.A., back to go watch Antonio Brown play um, in Pittsburgh. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like Gorgie, he likes Gorgie a lot. He he believes in him, and, um, you know, it was just, it was fun. It was fun to talk to him. I don't know how much more I want to reveal. <laughs> <laughs> will, you, will you reveal what Tibbs drinks? I think that's the... Uh, that's it was a beer. It was a beer. It was a, it was a beer. Import or domestic? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I didn't look at it. I don't know if it was a Bud Light. I don't know if it was, uh, you know, right. anything else. But <laughs> I was having a, a sweet, uh, what is it, Sweet Child of Vine? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Fulton, right? Yep. Yeah, but I think my main takeaway and what I would tell everybody is just shoot your shot, you know? Yeah. Shoot, shoot your shot. I was so, I, I don't, you know, I don't really do those things. I'm kind of like... I'm not a shy person, but I can be very shy. And so I just, I just did it. And I, I think you're selling yourself a little bit short. I mean, you've asked some questions at the press conference and stuff. Like, even though maybe you didn't, didn't put the, the face together, like <laughs> I've talked at each other before. Yes. I have asked him numerous questions in press conferences before. Now Tibbs, I think he just like looks at the back wall. Like, I don't even know if he's looking at your face necessarily, but um Yes, I'm probably selling myself short, but I'm 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 trying to be more out of the box and be a little bit more aggressive 
this season. That's my one goal. All right. Nice. Well, you've got a podcast to represent now, man. So we need it. I know. Well, what else you guys got? Like, what did we not hit on? Are you guys are you guys excited? Like, it's media day on Friday. Bumped. That's going to be the time to get aggressive, John. Go ask all the questions in the world. We'll we'll both be there. I I, re- I'm, I am excited for that. I'm I'm ready to to talk to some of the players. Uh, you know, see where they're at. Here, you know, we so much of the talk for the past whatever three months has been. You know, us has been people like us putting together, drawing conclusions on you know on on what we think. And mm-hmm. while we think we're very smart, uh, the the coaches and the players are smarter than us and understand more, and they'll. Well, give us some insights. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to be there on Friday, and uh, I think we'll be pumping out a lot of a lot of good stuff, um, John, Tony, and I, and we'll we'll get that out on Canis Hoopus. Uh, follow John at the Daily Wolf. Follow me at Nikola Pekovic, and um, yeah, it'll be you know tweet us questions, DM whatever, and uh, we'll we'll let you know how it's going. There'll be there'll be a lot of good stuff we get out there, and we'll probably we'll talk about it on the next podcast too. I think it's so funny how many people respond to like Dane's tweets or if I like, if I like quote tweet something with Dane and they're like, or if we're in a conversation and they're just like, I thought Peck was retired or like, <laughs> or they're like, who is this? Like Peck, you got your own Twitter account. Like they actually think Dane is the Godfather. I, you know, he's not, he's well, not <laughs> <laughs> just click on his profile. You'll freaking right. quickly realize he's not the Godfather. Yeah, it's it's not complicated. Story is behind. I don't know if I've I've said this on the podcast before. Is like back when I was a, a freshman in college before Twitter was really a thing. My roommate was all like, "Oh, dude, you gotta you gotta make a you gotta make a Twitter account. It's great for following the NBA and news." Blah, blah. And like at the time, I had like a T-Mobile flip phone, and I was like, "I no, I what like I'm not gonna use this." And uh, he ended up setting it up for me, and it was like Peck's like rookie year when he was getting like 12 fouls a game. And we just, we just, we both loved Peck. And he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make your your Twitter handle. I'm like, what's a Twitter handle? And so he made it for me. Um, <laughs> my my roommate Bobby Johnson and uh, and I've been at Nikola Pekovic on Twitter since. I've still never Peck's never reached out to buy it from me, but I'm <laughs> I'm still I'm still holding out. <laughs> Another thing that Tibbs said that I I didn't really get to is that like. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember exactly how he said it, but he's like, we have a legit big three. He's like, we got Jimmy, we got Carl, and we got Andrew. And he was just like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> and I, was, I mean, just made me excited. as like, oh, I know I'm a media member also, but I'm a fan above all else. You know, yep. I really like this team. Um, well, I love this team. I have my whole life. So, it's. Uh, I think it's. It's very exciting, and and he seems to think that Andrew's gonna, you know, achieve some super big things this year. So, you know, his. That's another thing we didn't really get to that. His 148 million dollar max extension that's about to go down probably Friday, Saturday morning, maybe Thursday, and that'll be nice to. You know, I know not everybody believes in Andrew Wiggins. I know he's got so many doubters out there and his critics and stuff, but. Um, you know, that's been carved in stone for a long time. And for me, I'm excited just to, to get that deal done. And, you know, we'll see. Andrew has a lot of things, a lot of areas he needs to improve in. But at the end of the day, if you're president of basketball operations and your head coach believes that he can achieve those things, I think we have to trust the process. So it'll be interesting to see after that's inked, how long that, you know, 
quiets any sort of <laughs> trade speculation or things along oh, those lines. Dane. Oh, um, Dane. oh, Dane. It's not just me. There's there's plenty of oh, there's plenty of people out there. I I'm just saying. A like, lot. I know. I, I I mean, as much as you know, I was capping for for Kyrie. I I, I think it it will be a good thing for the franchise to just kind of lock in and let's let's roll let's roll out there with this team and and, and see see where we're at but i think i think come the middle of the season and if andrew wiggins is exactly what he was last year those questions will come up again and it's just going to it's going to because this is where the nba news cycle is and goes it's going to be just yep kind of like rubio was too you know when they when there's guys with question marks, trades are the first places people go, and whatever you know, it, it's it's mostly in fun, and that that is that is that's fun stuff to talk about. Play, you know, armchair GM and and do all that. So I, I I'm just interested to kind of see how that goes after this deal is inked. It's a pivotal fourth season for Andrew Wiggins, and as the third banana with the Timberwolves, I think we're all hoping that a lower usage Wiggins um, that isn't asked to do as much. Uh, can be, you know, can fulfill that promise that made him the number one pick, that made him the blue chip asset in the deal for Kevin Love. And I personally believe he has it inside of him to be a monster. I think he has that, you know, he he brings it when it matters. So how do you get that out of him, you know, 99% of the time instead of whatever percent you want to label it? But that's that's one of the biggest most fun storylines this season and we're going to all take it in um, the same way. So it's, it's, I'm looking looks forward like to gonna be better. He's going to have better looks. We know that. Let's, I, let's, let's see. Let's see. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's a, that's a pretty good place to uh, end episode 10. As always, we just appreciate all of our loyal listeners. Thanks for stopping by and checking out the jam to DM show. We're going to be back. We're going to start pumping these out. We got our little break in. We recharged the batteries. We made it uh, through the slog of summer. We we did. And now we're going to gear up and we're going to start pushing these podcasts out a lot more often. Whenever, you know, if if a game happens, we're pissed off about it. We're going to jump on the mics. We're going to pod and we're going to try to get a lot of good guests. I know we've had some, some really great guests that have come on the podcast and we're thankful for those people so far but um thank you for listening subscribe review those things help us so much and they drive us to make this podcast even better and um i think that uh we're out there are so many things that i won't eat because it's all i used to eat or all i used to do whenever i was little right just take spam as an example i fucking hate spam and i will never eat it again